You're listening to Temporary Circumstances, and I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. In this podcast, we're going to share some ideas and things that we've learned that aren't too often talked about in mental health, including some taboo topics, if you will, like death and grief, trauma and PTSD, addictions, and others. We will cover some of the worst things imaginable that happen to people around us every single day and how we can help them get through those difficult times. The opinions on this show are ours only and do not reflect any agency that we work for. Today, we're going to talk about childhood trauma. Children are a vulnerable population because up to a certain age, they don't have the same choices that adults do, and they're reliant on their parents, guardians, and caregivers to take care of them and to have their basic needs met. They're not able to take care of themselves. Right. So childhood trauma and abuse is something that can stick with us pretty much throughout our entire life, especially if it goes untreated. Um, and we're going to get into this a little bit more in just a minute, but there is a, there's a huge impact on your mental health as well as your physical health and well-being that can result from childhood abuse and neglect. So just for, for an example, um, exposure to violence in childhood can increase risk of future violence um, in terms of being a victim or perpetrator, risk of injury, um, substance abuse, so on and so forth. Chronic or long-term abuse can result in stress. This stress can change the brain development and increase the risk for problems like post-traumatic stress disorder, learning disorders, attention disorders, and difficulty with memory. Yeah, so some statistics from the CDC um, regarding childhood trauma and abuse. So child, childhood abuse and neglect are pretty common. We know that at least one in seven children have experienced childhood abuse um, and or neglect in the past year, and that is likely to be underestimated. So in 2018, nearly 1,770 children died from abuse and neglect in the United States. So that's pretty significant. Uh, We also see that children living in poverty experience more abuse and neglect as well. Rates of child abuse and neglect are five times higher for children and families who come from lower socioeconomic status compared to those who come from higher status. While we're recording this now, we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And what we're hearing from a lot of people who work for Job and Family Services or Children's Services is that it, they are actually having less reports of child abuse. And the reason for this is because the children aren't going to school. They're not going to their daycares. They're not around adults who are mandated reporters or adults who are willing to contact Children's Services to make these reports. Right. And I want to mention here, too, that we are seeing a decrease in the number of reports. But as far as severe abuse cases go in the children who end up in the hospital or seeking medical attention, we are seeing that those are going up. So we talk about child abuse. There's a couple different types of abuse that we're talking about that could be physical abuse, could be sexual abuse or emotional abuse. It could also be physical or emotional neglect. Right, absolutely. So when we talk about physical abuse, you know, that's typically physical violence or the threat of physical violence. Um, Also, seeing violence happen to someone else that also falls in that category. Sexual abuse 
can be anything from what we traditionally think of as sexual abuse. It can also be things like a child witnessing sexual activity or sexual abuse. It can also mean something like voyeurism, like an adult inappropriately watching a child. Those are all, all things that can be considered sexual abuse. And we also have emotional abuse, telling a child that they're worthless, telling a child they're not good enough. Those, those types of statements that a, somebody could make in the heat of the moment can be devastating and long-lasting for a child. I, I think sometimes we tend to underestimate the power of that emotional abuse or neglect as well. We tend to think it's not going to have as much of an effect as physical or sexual abuse would have. We tend to think it's not as bad. But the truth is that it can be still quite hurtful and it can still have many of those negative outcomes as a result of that. So yes, emotional abuse, that typically involves verbal abuse in some way where you're using words to hurt the other person. But again, it can be quite debilitating as well. Now, when we talk about neglect, this is something else that tends to get kind of overlooked sometimes. Or um, I often hear people say things like, you know, my parents were great. We always had food on the table. We always had, you know, our, our electricity on, things like that. We had our basic needs met. But then what I come to find out months later is that um, these, these people didn't feel loved by their parents. Perhaps they don't remember ever being held by those parents. Perhaps they don't remember even having significant conversations with them that they should have had as children. And all of that can fall in the category of neglect. Now, neglect can also be more severe. Um, and on, on the more severe end of neglect, that's, of course, leaving uh, a baby or a young child unattended or something along those lines. And I wanted to talk about failure to thrive just for a second, which is essentially a condition where babies stop growing. Um, it is not known why exactly they stop growing, but what I've seen in doing some readings and doing some research is that failure to thrive quite often is connected to neglect. So those babies that perhaps weren't held enough, those were the babies that were failing to thrive later on, and then they can actually die from failure to thrive. So quite significant negative outcomes that we see there with neglect. So sometimes trauma in children looks a lot different than it does with an adult. Children can they can become irritable. Um, it can show up in angry play. Um, it can be angry. It can also be sadness and crying, but it can also be stoicism. It can look like they're unable to feel things. It can also look like reenactment in some way too. So, you know, if you see a child, for example, engage, engaging in some kind of um, sexualized behavior and they're too young, to know of that behavior. And you know that, for example, in their household, there is no such behavior in front of them. Um, it is likely that they're probably reenacting something that they either witnessed or experienced themselves in that scenario. Right, and the experiences that kids have, especially traumatic experiences, stay with them for a long time. So an example that I like is, let's say a young child is yelled at by a parent and the parent to the child is a big person who stands over them and yells. And then they get a little older and they're in school and let's say they're in elementary school and they get bullied by a high schooler and that person standing over them and yelling at them. 
then they go into high school and they have a coach that stands over them and yells at them. And then they go into an adulthood. And let's say they have a boss that just comes over to their desk and calmly says, when you have a moment, I need to talk to you in my office. Even though all of those situations are different, the emotional response that that person may have as an adult with their boss can be the exact same emotional response they had when the parents stood over them and screamed. I think that's a great example, Cora. And, you know, that's the thing about trauma is that it often has this emotional connection. And we, we often see those things like that show up where there's a connection between how someone felt earlier in life and how they feel now. And so I think sometimes that makes it confusing to people because they think to themselves, well, I don't see a direct connection here between something I experienced in the past and something I'm experiencing now. So why am I so emotional or why am I feeling so affected by this? Well, to our brain, there is that emotional connection there. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's important to explore and work through that trauma so that we don't carry it on with us throughout life. And then we're still experiencing it without even knowing it sometimes. Something to think about is our brains are wired to look for patterns. And if there's a pattern and our brain has, at least it believes there's a pattern of behavior in conflict, then that's the expectation for conflict. And your brain and your body will respond the same to a minor conflict as it would to a major conflict. Right, right, absolutely. So Cora, you had mentioned that in children, trauma can look different. With adults, we can still see some of those anger outbursts, some of those sadness outbursts, anxiety. Um, we also see a lot of avoidance. So avoidance of anything that reminds us of the traumatic event or, or the person. There also tends to be some kind of a negative belief that we tend to have about either ourselves or the world or others in the world as a result of traumatic experiences. So very often we will see individuals either blame themselves for something they ha that happened or perhaps they just have this outlook that the world is not a safe place or that other people cannot be trusted. That is absolutely a traumatic response as well. And we also have things like nightmares and flashbacks that we see with trauma and, and in particular with post-traumatic stress disorder as well, um, sleep disturbance and things like that. Those can also be seen in children too. Alina, you had a media of the week this week. I did, yes. So I absolutely love this TED Talk. Um, this is a TED Talk from 2014 by Nadine Burke Harris. And the title of it is How Childhood Trauma Affects Health Across a Lifetime. So she does a really amazing job at talking about childhood abuse and neglect. She talks about ACEs, which are the adverse childhood experiences. We'll talk about those in just a second. But she talks about the impact that those have and what that can look like on our physical health across a lifetime. Um, she does mention mental health to some degree as well. But really great talk, a lot of information. So if you're interested in learning more about ACEs and childhood abuse and neglect. Again, this is a great talk, about 20 minutes long. So TED Talk by Nadine Burke-Harris. So let's talk about some of those ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. What an adverse childhood experience is, it's an experience that could be potentially traumatic for a child if they witness that. 
Right. So, and, and I think it's important too when when we talk about the aces. So the aces are essentially ten questions um, or ten things that we would look at. Now, when the aces study was completed, these were ten childhood traumas that they picked. Kaiser and the CDC who did the study that were the most common ones that they saw. So childhood traumatic experiences are not limited to just those 10 ACEs. So what, what those 10 ACEs include are things like experiencing violence, abuse or neglect, witnessing violence, whether it's at home with family members or in the community, substance abuse, growing up in a household where a parent has substance abuse issues or mental health problems, or if there's instability in the household in general, if someone goes to jail, anything like that. What else can be traumatic though, Cora? Some other things is having a parent or a close family member who dies, and that could be die by illness or die by accident. Just having that experience can be traumatic for a child. But even more so, having a family member either attempt or, or die by suicide can be very traumatic. There's also such a thing as medical trauma, too. So um, even witnessing a family member go through something like cancer can be traumatic, just as it can be traumatic for that person to go through those treatments and through that diagnosis as well. I think we like I think that's a really good point. But we need to remember that, unfortunately, children also have some severe illnesses that they go through um, and that they potentially could go through. And just having that experience, while at times it can be empowering, it can also be very traumatic. Absolutely. So how do we treat childhood trauma? I think this can be a more difficult question to answer in some ways because we are talking about children here. And one thing about treating trauma is that it can be difficult to treat a traumatic experience if it is still going on in some way. So especially as it applies to childhood trauma and neglect here, if a child is still experiencing abuse or sexual abuse or neglect, it is difficult for them to feel safe in those moments. And if we are not feeling safe, then it can be extremely difficult to try and process that trauma we're not quite in that mental state yet to be able to put our guard down and start to work through things when we are still concerned about trying to survive. I think it's also important to remember that some of the behaviors, emotional reactions that we're seeing is initially a defense mechanism. It's a way of protecting ourselves, whether it's psychologically or physically, from abuse. So if someone is in, ongoing, in an ongoing situation, to try to process that can actually be harmful instead of helpful. Right. So it is important to keep that in mind. Now, you know, another thing is someone may be done experiencing a traumatic experience, such as physical abuse, for example, in childhood, but let's say the child was removed from the home and now they're in foster care, for example. Um, so they may be in a safer environment physically, but unfortunately, foster care can have its own set of traumatic experiences that come with that. So again, we have to be really mindful of what the individual is going through and where they're at and whether or not they're even physically in a safe space. I think along those same lines, if somebody, let's say they were 
in an abusive situation as a child, but as an adult, they're now in an abusive relationship, processing the, the childhood trauma there can again be complicated because they're not in a safe living environment now. Right. So those are, those are definitely additional considerations that we want to keep in mind as we work with individuals who've been through trauma. Now, the good thing is, you know, we said at the beginning that trauma can actually cause brain changes, and that is absolutely true. We see scans of individuals who've been through traumatic experiences. We see their brain scans. We can tell that there are differences. But the good news is that just as our brain can change when we experience something bad, especially over a long period of time, our brain can also change when it comes to the good things. So this is called neuroplasticity. We know that we can change those things and trauma and PTSD is treatable, even if it may be more difficult at first because of some of those additional factors. Since there is hope for people who have the traumatic experience, both in childhood and as an adult, there are ways, there are tools that we have to help them. And the first one, it is with kids, is called play therapy. I mentioned earlier that kids reenact a lot of the trauma with play, um, and, and that can be meaningful to do that in an office situation with a therapist to ask the right questions and to observe this play with them. Another one is sand tray, and this is not just for kids, but with sand tray, you can actually recreate your version of a situation or recreate what happened in the past. Yeah, I think those are great. Um, some additional interventions or techniques that we might use. There's cognitive behavioral therapy, and more specifically, there's trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so that's a type of therapy where we focus on thinking errors and, and ways that we can adjust our thinking to change our behaviors. There is also EMDR, which is specialized treatment for trauma and PTSD. I think we've talked about it briefly before, but EMDR focuses on desensitizing and reprocessing those traumatic events. Um, and EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. Um, and then there's also things like support groups out there. There's also trauma groups out there as well. I think those a lot of times can be overlooked as well, but can actually be quite helpful, especially for individuals who've been through traumatic experiences and, and in particular children too. A lot of times those individuals feel like no one else knows what they're going through. Um, and that connection, whether through a support group or a counseling group can be huge just for them to know that someone else has been through a similar experience and someone else has felt or feels similarly to the way that they do. That can really go a long way when it comes to treatment. And along those lines, sometimes in those support groups and in counseling groups, being able to tell your story putting words to the story and putting it out there can be a big weight off of someone's shoulders. Um, one of the things that we use in individual therapy is narrative therapy to allow them to tell their story uninterrupted just as it comes and see what their perspective was. Um, and an additional thing that we might use in conjunction with other therapies is expressive arts therapy. If somebody has a hard time expressing themselves in words, they might be able to do that through writing or drawing or dancing or music. And I think that's important, too, because, again, sometimes I think individuals, as, 
we as humans in general, we tend to think, you know, if we kind of don't say it out loud or if we don't tell anyone, it's almost like it didn't happen. Or maybe we can even tell ourselves it's almost like it didn't happen. But there's huge power to getting to express, whether verbally or written or in with art. Um, there's a huge power to that because that actually makes the experience real, but it also validates it. It says, hey, this happened. This was in the past, but now I can move forward. I think, again, there is huge value to that. I think that's actually a really great place to end it, but we do want to leave you with some resources. Something that I want to make sure that you keep in mind is that if you are concerned for a child, if you're concerned that they're being abused or neglected, please, please, please reach out to either Child Help Hotline, that's a national phone line, and that's 1 800, the number four and then a child, or that's 1-800-422-4453. And you can call them 24 seven, all calls are confidential. And then you can also always call your local county's hotline. So here we're in Frank Franklin County, so we would call Franklin County Children's Services here. Um, but please make sure that you do let someone know if you're concerned for a child and their well-being. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Leave us a review wherever you found us and comment on anything you want to hear more about or have questions on.